Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part series, I visit with Jesse Kaplan, the Managing Director of Corporate Oversight at Affiliated Monitors, in a series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring. We take up the opioid crisis, focusing on prescribing opioids, regulatory and compliance risks, the identifying and mitigating risks around opioid prescribing. We consider the expanded use of an independent monitor in healthcare regulatory situations. Then we take a look at it from the independent integrity monitoring of healthcare organizations and systems. And finally, we conclude with using independent integrity assessments and monitoring to limit adverse consequences of compliance violations. This five-part series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, and it is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. In episode one, we discuss the many different types of potential regulatory and liability risks healthcare provider organizations and practices face in connection with the prescribing of opioids. In this episode, Jesse Kaplan discusses how healthcare organizations can identify and mitigate the risks from opioid prescribing by their practitioners. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, back for another episode with Jesse Kaplan, Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors. In this episode, we're going to focus on opioid prescribing, identifying, and mitigating the risk. Uh, Jesse, first of all, uh, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Tom. My pleasure. Uh, Jesse, in our past episode, we discussed many of the different types of uh, potential regulatory or liability risks healthcare providers and organizations uh, face in connection with the prescribing of opioids. Today, I wanted to visit about how healthcare organizations can identify and mitigate those risks. So let me just start with uh, really what can healthcare organizations do, particularly uh, their compliance functions to identify and then move to mitigate or remediate the risks from opioid prescribing? Yeah, so healthcare organizations, you know, can do a number of things. And, uh, and those organizations and medical practices can be proactive, in particular, in making sure they have an opioid compliance program or plan, that that program incorporates all the relevant federal and state laws and regulations. Uh, it incorporates CDC prescribing guidelines and relevant standards of practice, uh, and that prescribers have been educated on the opioid prescribing program. And finally, that the organization is assessing 
actual prescribing practices by their physicians in order to flag potentially risky practices. Uh, so I can give you some examples of what a what, you know what an effective opioid prescribing program might look like. Uh, so you know an effective opioid prescribing program should incorporate policies and procedures that inform prescribers what they need to do before they prescribe opioids and what needs to be documented, which is very important. Uh, for example, what needs to be asked as part of a medical history of the patient? Has the physician checked the state's prescription drug monitoring program database, which is something we talked about in the last episode, uh, for that patient's prescribing history? Has the physician counseled the patient on alternatives as well as the risks of using opioids? Uh, does the patient have a pain contract, which is something we can talk about a little bit uh, later, a little bit more about? And is all this documented in the medical record? Uh, you know, the program should inform on the limitations on prescribing within that state, quantity and dosages, and what combinations of drugs are counterindicated. Uh, the program should address what follow-up the physician should engage in with the patient after prescribing opioids. You know, like what needs to be done before a physician renews an opioid prescription. And, for example, you know, should blood or urine screening be required of the patient? Uh, the organization should also make sure that prescribers are being adequately educated on all appropriate prescribing policies, procedures, laws, and regulations, uh, and, that the doc and frankly, that the doctor is taking the required or the appropriate continuing medical education courses. If, if they've got a patient panel that includes a lot of people on chronic pain, have chronic pain, and on chronic opioids, they should be taking continuing medical education on opioid prescribing and pain management. And I guess I'd finally I'd say, the, is the physician uh, prescribing being audited or monitored to identify potentially risky practice? They should have someone looking at a sampling of charts to see whether or not the physician is following the policies and the standards of practice when they do prescribe chronic uh, opioid treatments. Almost every physician I've ever been associated with certainly uh had the patient's best interest in mind, and they want to help those with chronic pain, and they want to help those uh, who are injured uh, either recover from those injuries and certainly get better. But I was wondering, even within uh, the context of those types of physicians who we both uh, admire and hopefully uh, see to us when we need, can you give us some examples of deficient opioid prescribing practices that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and just a little intro on that, so our firm, Affiliated Monitors, we, we work with physicians with expertise in opioid prescribing and pain management, uh, and working with those physicians, we have assessed the prescribing practices of many physicians who are, like you said, legitimately trying to, to address the needs of their patients. Uh, and, but in many cases, they're just, the physicians are, are just not following the evolving best practices and the new and evolving regulations and guidelines. So, uh, and when they don't, you know, not only are they putting their patients at risk of harm, but as we discussed in the last episode, they could put themselves and their organization at risk of legal jeopardy. So, you know, getting into your question, some of the most common deficiencies we see uh, in opioid prescribing include uh, where physicians are not conducting sufficient examinations to truly determine the cause of the patient's pain that would warrant treatment with opioids. Uh, yeah, instead of perhaps a non-medication treatment uh, or other medications or, or physical therapy, for instance. You know, we see physicians prescribing opioids for conditions where 
Opioid treatment is just not the appropriate first-line treatment uh, or may not be an indicated treatment at all. Uh, where physicians are not documenting sufficient medical, social, or family histories are considering those factors that could raise red flags for potential addiction. Where physicians are not checking the state's uh, prescription drug monitoring program database to see whether the patient has been is being prescribed controlled substances by maybe another physician. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is a very this is very important to see whether the patient may be doctor shopping or abusing medications or even taking combinations of medications that may be uh, dangerous. We look to see, and we've seen situations where the pres- we're prescribing opioids, where physicians are prescribing opioids in dosages or numbers of pills uh, that are inconsistent with guidelines or state laws and regulations. We've seen situations where doctors are not closely following patients on chronic opioid treatment programs or reevaluating their pain diagnosis uh, and whether or not the pain medication is actually working. Uh, many patients on chronic opioid treatment programs should be subject to toxicology screens. And what those do is they'll tell a physician what is showing up in their blood or urine and whether or not, number one, they're taking the drugs that the, that the physician has prescribed uh, and or whether they're taking other drugs. If, if the tox screen, for instance, is positive, I'm sorry, is negative, let's say, uh, for the drugs that the physician has prescribed, well, that's a red flag that that the patient may actually be diverting the opioids, means, you know, selling it or, or giving it to someone else. You know, if the tox screen shows that the patient is taking drugs that the physician has not prescribed, particularly controlled substances, well, that may be indication that this patient has uh, a drug uh, abuse problem. Uh, patients on chronic opioid treatment should also be followed by what's called a pain contract, which is an agreement that the patient signs with the physician that explains the risks of opioid treatment and that sets out the ground rules for what the patient is and is not permitted to do with the medications being prescribed. So this agreement will not only provide valuable information for the patient, as you can imagine, but it also gives the physician a basis for discontinuing opioid treatment if the patient violates the agreement. And I guess finally, one thing we see is uh, that doctors are not prescribing naloxone uh, where they should. Now, naloxone is a very effective, is a a medication that is very effective at reversing the dangerous effects of an opioid overdose, can basically bring people to save their lives. Uh, And the CDC recommends that naloxone be considered uh, for patients receiving 50 or greater medical morphine equivalents, or MME, uh, of opioid medication. Uh, so the, 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 the evolving standard practices, doctors should be prescribing naloxone for many of their patients receiving opioid prescriptions. They're just not doing that. Jesse, one of the things that I've heard you and other managing directors at Affiliated Monitors talk about is the power of proactive Uh, monitoring or proactive approach to many different areas. And it sounds like uh, to me that one of the things that healthcare organizations can certainly benefit from is a proactive approach, indeed, in the opioid prescribing uh, area and issues around that. I was wondering if you uh, had some thoughts as to how proactive monitoring can help a healthcare organization and how uh, they would go about doing that. Yeah, that's a a great point. And and we certainly feel that that can really help 
an organization. That's based on our experience working with healthcare organizations as well. So, like you said, they, a healthcare organization can take a proactive approach by having an experienced and expert uh, clinician in pain management and, op- and opioid prescribing assess the organization's opioid compliance program and policies, but also review samplings of patient charts uh, of their physicians where patients have been prescribed opioids. You know, such an assessment can help identify gaps in the program. It can flag physicians who may be engaging in risking, uh, I'm sorry, in risky provided, uh, prescribing practices. You know, and most important, what these assessments can do is it, it, it gives uh, an expert in the area the opportunity to offer recommendations to the organization for improving the opioid prescribing program uh, and their physician prescribing practices. Uh, this information can be used, you know, very effectively to mitigate risk to the organization, the physicians, and uh, the physician's patients. So, Jesse, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for uh, episode two, but I hope you'll uh, join us again tomorrow where I continue my exploration with Jesse Kaplan on the expanded use of independent monitoring by healthcare agencies. Jesse, as always, thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox. I hope you enjoyed this episode in our five-part exploration of emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring. Also, I hope you will check out our sponsor's website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you will join us again for another episode. This five-part podcast series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.